0: The most attended service of the entire week. Uh, We also know that from local media reports, up to 12 people were shot. We begin tonight with that breaking news, a horrific scene in Charlottesville, Virginia. In Paris, violent clashes erupted between police and protesters for the third straight weekend. The attack on the Mother Emanuel AME Church was not just a murder of nine African-American worshipers. Like all terrorist attacks, it was an effort to send a message to use violence to sow hate. The shooter left one person alive to bear witness to what he had done. But two days later, at his bond hearing, members of the victim's family stood, and one after the other forgave the alleged murderer and prayed for him. Today, we are talking about waging peace for the third and final week. There's some lights, there we go. Um, today we're talking about waging peace for the third and final week, but before we jump into that, I want to tell you guys something that happened to me a couple weeks ago. So, um, my wife and I were one one night, you know, one random weeknight, we were just sitting on the couch, we were scrolling through Netflix, you know, uh, looking at the new releases. They call them new releases, but a lot of the time they're not new, they're just new to Netflix, you know what I mean? Um, and we were looking through, scrolling through Netflix, the American dream, you know, just loving life, um. And, and I saw on the new releases that I Am Legend is now on Netflix. You guys know I Am Legend? Great film, right? Great film. Will Smith just like, he kills it in every role, but especially that role, man. He just impressed the socks off of me, right? So I see I Am Legend is on Netflix, and I go, oh, my goodness, I Am Legend. It's, it's, it's on Netflix. I haven't seen that movie in years. And my wife proceeds to tell me that she has never seen I Am Legend. And I was like, you've never seen it? Oh, my word, you have to watch this movie, right? So we had just started our Waging Peace series, and we were talking through all this stuff that we've been talking through over the last couple of weeks. And, and we started watching I Am Legend. And now I'm going to spoil the movie for you, but he, here's the deal, okay? I don't think spoilers are a thing after the movie's been out for 12 years, you hear me, right? It was a critically acclaimed film. If you didn't watch I Am Legend by now, and you didn't want it spoiled for you, I'm sorry, but that's your fault, okay? I am not spoiling something that's 12 years old, okay? I just, I have to tell you, what happens at the end of the film, this is totally a spoiler, I'm sorry if you haven't seen it. Um, but what happens at the end of the film is, see, it's, it's this post-apocalyptic film where, where for a long time, it seems like Will Smith is the only man alive. There was this huge zombie outbreak and it's just really epic, and and, and basically, uh, this woman and child end up finding Will Smith, and you find out that he's not the only person uh, that's alive, big spoiler, but you find out he's not the only person that's alive, and there's this scene at the end of the movie where they're in the basement of Will Smith's house, and there's this little, like, hole in the wall, it looks like a fireplace, or like a wood stove, and, and all of these zombies are in his basement and they're tracking him down and they're, they're like running into this glass wall that's separating him and the woman and child from, from the zombies and, and they start hitting the wall and the wall starts cracking and Will Smith has this moment where he realizes that they're not going to stop until they get him. Like they're not going to stop until they get him. And so he gets the woman and the child, and he puts them away in this little compartment in the side of the wall. And he shuts it, and he says, stay in here until they're gone, and then go and find help. And he puts them in there, and then he grabs this grenade. It's so epic. He pulls the pin, and he runs out into the middle of the zombies, and and he explodes, and the zombies explode. And it's this crazy, crazy big thing. So anyway, that's the end of the movie. Sorry I ruined it for you. But, But as I was watching it, I was like, this is exactly what we're talking about. This is exactly what we're talking about. You see, what Will Smith did was he sacrificed himself. He didn't care about his own benefit or his own good, but instead he laid that down for the good of the others that were with him. You guys see that? And and over the last couple of weeks, what we've been talking about is we've been talking about how Jesus calls us to do this. Last week we jumped into Matthew 5 where Jesus says, turn the other cheek where he says, pray for those who persecute you, right? Where Jesus says, go the extra mile. And we've been talking about what that means, about laying ourselves down at at the expense of our own self-interest, valuing other people above ourselves, and in the process, hopefully creating peace. We've been talking about how we live in a different kingdom. We as Christians belong to the kingdom of God which means that our value system should be different, right? We don't value ourselves quite as much as we value the people around us because we see the value in them, because we see the value that God gives them. And so we've been talking about how churches and Christians and Christians' homes, and we should be kingdom outposts. We should be a place where the kingdom of God is lived out right here and right now. It's not just something for later, but we should be waging peace instead of war right here and right now. Amen. So some of you, I've heard a lot of really awesome testimonies from this series, and some of us are really grappling with this idea. Like some of us are really, at first it kind of, it's kind of hard, right? Because we have to completely change our entire worldview. But some of us have heard these teachings over the last couple of weeks, and we've been like, you know what? That really is what Jesus calls us to. Like I really do want to do that, Right? Like I, like, I I see it, and even though it's hard, and even though it definitely puts myself at risk, and, and, it, and I, it's at my own expense, I want to create the peace that God wants to see in the world. Like, I want to be a part of that, right? There's this old, uh, it's like it's actually a Catholic hymn, and it says, Lord, let me be an instrument of your peace, right? And And that's the point, right? We want to be an instrument of the peace of God. We want to see the kingdom lived out right here and right there. But here's the thing. A lot of us are probably asking, how do we actually do that? Like, like, what are the tangible things here? Like, how do I do it, right? Because some of us, we work in an office all day, right? Some of, us, uh, some of us, we work from home. Some of us take care of kids at home. Some of us, you know, we're running around town selling real estate or whatever we might do. How do we wage peace in our daily lives, Right? Like, how do we wage peace in real life? So today, I want to try and put a couple handles on this, a couple things that we can actually do. And today, I'm going to try and give us three practical ways to wage peace in real life and on social media. Three practical ways to wage peace in real life and on social media. Here's my disclaimer. Social media is not real life. Some of us needed to hear that this morning. Social media is not real life, right? And obviously, the less time we can spend on social media, the better, right? Studies are all over the place. It's unhealthy for us. But here's the thing. And there's a little bit of like, this is a necessary evil. Because I was doing a little bit of research this week, and it blew my mind. Listen, guys, in 2018, we did a study about how much Americans use technology. You want to guess what it was? Three hours a day, on average, the average American is on their phone. Three hours a day. My iPhone, it actually like gives me reports about how I'm doing. And to be honest with you guys, I'm on it a little bit more than three hours. I am. And a lot of us are on it a little bit more than three hours, right? Here's the deal. If we do the math, let's say a child is born right here in 2019, okay? Let's say a child is born right here in 2019, and they use technology at an average pace, just like we do every single day, right? Throughout their entire lives. By the time that they reach 80, by the time that they're about the average lifespan of an American, they will have been on their phone for more than a decade. We're talking 24 hour days. More than a decade of their life will have been spent on their phone. Now, this is not counting just waking hours. This is counting an entire 24-hour period. So if we narrow this down to waking hours, this means that a quarter of the time that we are awake and conscious, we are on our phones. A quarter of the time. Now, listen, this is not a good thing I think that we could all do better with, like, less social media and less electronics. And, you know, we could probably separate ourselves or maybe have a day of the week that we fast. And, you know, there are important rhythms that I think we could establish. But the reality is, is this is our culture, right? This is the world that we live in. This is just our reality at this point. And with with virtual reality and augmented reality, I mean, all these things that are coming out, it's not going to get better, right? This is the world we live in now. So here's the deal. Social media is not real life, but we spend a heck of a lot of time on it. You know what I'm saying? This is a public space. Like, social media is kind of the new coffee shop. Like, it's where people meet, right? People talk on social media. They post on social media. They meet on social media. You know, how many people have you added on Facebook you don't even know in real life? You haven't even talked to them, right? This is is kind of a new public space that we're learning how to navigate as a culture. And here's the deal. We need to do it well. Right? We can't wage peace in real life and not wage peace on social media, right? We need to represent Christ wherever we go, and that includes on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Amen. So with that being said, that's why I put the so- on social media in parentheses, right? In real life and on social media. there's a little disclaimer for you there. So today what we're going to do is we're going to jump into James 119 now. We are going to be going over the next few weeks. Our next series is actually going to be diving real deep into the book of James. And James is one of my favorite books in the whole Bible. It's going to be super powerful and really awesome. But today, we're just going to talk about one verse, Chap- chapter 1, verse 19, okay? And this is going to give us our three practical ways to wage peace in real life. So, James writes this He says, Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak. And slow to get angry. So here's our first of three practical ways to wage peace in real life and on social media. Quick to listen. Quick to listen. Okay. So when my wife and I first started dating, uh, she it was like this quasi not date but kind of date, um, and we went to I just met her up at Starbucks. She was really casual about it. Like, she was like, I'm just studying. Like, you can come up if you want, right? This really, like, nonchalant, hard-to-get sort of deal. And so I didn't know, like, is this a date or is it not a date, right? So I was at my apartment playing video games with my best friend, right? And uh, you like my hand motion, video games? Um, So I was playing video games with my best friend, and I look at him and I go, you know that girl I've been talking to, like, She wants to meet up at Starbucks, and I think this would be kind of like our first date, but I don't know if it's a date, you know? Like, if I come alone, it might be kind of weird, but then again, she invited just me. I don't know what to do, right? So I was stupid, and I brought my best friend to our first date. Don't do that. Public service announcement. Don't do that, okay? Right? So I bring my best friend to our first date, and I'm sitting, we're sitting there at Starbucks just hanging out, right? And it's funny because my friend is a very talkative fella, so he just like, kind of took over the conversation. And I was just sitting back like, okay, okay this is a bad idea. Um, but I'm talking with my future wife here, and we get on the, on the subject of country music. Now, if anybody, and if any of y'all have talked to me about music, you know I don't like country music. I'm sorry. I just don't like it as a musician. It's just, it's one, I like all kinds of music. Don't like country music. It's just a thing, okay? Um, And so I start talking to my wife, future wife, about country music. And I just start, like, laying into country music. Like, I'm just like, it's horrible. I don't understand it. It doesn't make any sense. It's too simple. And get this, even the people that listen to country music are simple. Like, I don't even... I don't even, I hate country music so much. I don't understand how anybody could like country music. It's horrible. Blah, blah, blah. Anybody who likes country music has bad taste. Obviously, all of these things are not totally true. But I was on a rant, right? Like, I was just in the zone. So I'm saying all of this horrible stuff about country music. And then about ten minutes into our conversation, I'm realizing, like, I didn't ask her if she likes country music. Right? So then, like, my heart kind of skips a beat. I'm like, oh, no, um... Do you like country music? Of course she says no, right? Who would say yes? Like the the guy you like is like, country music's terrible. Anyone who likes it's stupid, right? So she goes, no, I don't like country music. Of course not, right? So fast forward to about a year into our marriage, um, I decide I'm going to take my wife's car to work one day. And I I would do this every now and then. (laughs) You see where this is going, right? (laughs) So, (laughs) So I turn the radio on, and it's on the country station. Like, I, don't, I don't even know. i come up with a country artist. I don't even know their names. Um, I just hear the twang, right? And I'm like, oh no, what's going on? So it's funny because I actually, I called my wife on my way to work. Uh, hey, is there something you need to tell me? Guys, you would, you would think that she cheated on me. I was like I was like, you're busted, girl, right? So I call her and I'm like, why in the world is the radio turned to the country station? And then she like sheepishly is like, well, I, I mean, I kind of like country music. And it was so weird to me because I was like, I love her music taste. Like, her taste in music is phenomenal. And I was kind of like, really? And she's like, I don't I don't listen to it all the time. Really, only during the summer. Like, she starts coming up with all these excuses. Like, she has to defend her her appreciation for country music, right? And I was just like, what in the world, right? So... All that to say, I had this long conversation with my future wife, one of the, first, the very first time that we hung out intentionally together, and I just, like, started speaking. Like, I just started going off, right? And I didn't even think to ask, right? And then there was this thing that I didn't know about my wife for an entire year of our marriage. I just didn't even know. You want to know why? I didn't care. Isn't that sad? Kind of pathetic, Really, I'll be honest, it's kind of pathetic. Like, I didn't even know. I didn't even know this whole thing about her because I started talking before I listened. You hear what I'm saying? So James tells us to be quick to listen. I know this is a silly example, but but we do this all the time with everything, right? We start talking before anybody gets a chance to say anything. And what this does is it really, it breeds arrogance, right? people say like ignorance is bliss, but it's not. It's arrogance. It really is. Because we're assuming that we know when really we don't, because we haven't taken the time to ask, right? Jesus actually says in Matthew 5, we read this last week, but I'm going to touch on it real quick. He says, you have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemies. But I say, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So you see what Jesus does here? He says, love your neighbor and then he says, but I say love your enemies as well. So like if you've got to love your neighbor and you've got to love your enemies, who is there that you can't love? No one, right? Jesus says love everyone, right? And how do we love someone that we don't know? You hear me? How do we love someone that we don't even know. What happens is we create these concepts of who people are and what people think in our head, and then we go into these conversations, and a lot of the time, especially if we consider them to be our enemies or our adversaries or different than us, what we do is we go in and we just want to be heard, right? We want to be understood, but we don't really care to understand first, right? And let's be honest, just like in my situation with country music, it just shows a lot of pride. Like it's way more important for us to be heard than for us to hear someone, right? And so, like, like a couple weeks ago, we had this teacher walkout, right? Y'all all know what happened there, right? Teacher walkout in South Carolina. And here's the thing: I, like, I was scrolling on social media, and like, you know, you see the the local news uh, articles or whatever, and you click on it. Never click on news articles, by the way. Any public article on Facebook is as bad news, right? And I'm scrolling down through the comments, and I just see, like, both sides of the argument just spewing hatred at each other. I mean, people are saying horrible things to people they don't even know, right? And I see people commenting, and I see people posting, and I see people sharing. and, And a lot of the time, like, guys, listen, we have a lot of teachers right here in this room, right? And a lot of the time, some of us, we're, we're just going to go on, and we're just going to talk about it, and we're going to post about it, we're going to argue about it, and we don't even really know the situation. I was on a trip a couple of weeks ago with this teacher, and he, him and his wife are both teachers in Dorchester County Schools, and I was just hearing him out and listening to his situation, and I had no clue how complex the situation was. I had no clue. But I guarantee you, if somebody would have asked me before I had that conversation with Kyle, my friend, I would have given you a whole list of things that I thought (laughs) that were completely ill-informed. You know what I'm saying? That's just our nature. But I think that it's better for us to be quick to listen, right? Because, see, if we speak first, what we're saying, this this is just the truth, what we're saying is what I have to say is more important than you. If we speak first, that's what we're doing. And I do it all the time, right? If we listen first, what that says is, I value you and what you have to say. I value you and what you have to say. And that goes a long way. So today, this is our rule of thumb, number one, for our quick to listen point here. Rule of thumb is listen first, talk later. Listen first, talk later. If you're taking notes, this would be a great sermon to take notes on. It's just three points. <laughs> our rule of thumb for quick to listen is listen first, talk later okay so now on to our second rule of thumb i bet you guys can guess james 1:19. quick to listen slow to speak slow to speak is number two listen guys there are times that we need to say something you hear me there are times that as christians we need to say something for example god hates injustice God hates people being exploited. God hates sin, right? There are times to say something. The Old Testament prophets are a perfect, perfect example of speaking up when something's wrong, right? They see something wrong in the culture of Israel at the time, and they speak up, and they say, This is what the Lord wants to say to you. Jesus spoke prophetically all the time. Jesus confronted the Pharisees over and over and over again, and he brought constructive criticism to them, right? There are times that we need to speak. When babies are being killed, we need to say something, right? When people are being mistreated or hurt because of the color of their skin or their nation of origin, we as Christians need to say something, we see injustice. We see people being mistreated or exploited. There are times to step up and say something, right? We cannot stay silent. God does not allow us to stay silent. But here's the deal. How we say it is so important. How we say it is so important. In Proverbs 15:1, it says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. So we have to look at what we're saying. Is it harsh or is it gentle? Like what's going to be the reaction that happens when I say this thing, right? We need to learn how to speak gently and be intentional about the things that we say. Listen, guys, accusations, name-calling, sarcasm, hurtful comments, these should never be in a Christian's arsenal, these should never be on the table for someone who wants to live like Jesus, for someone who wants to wage peace. We don't have the option to use these in conversation because a gentle answer is what turns away wrath. You hear me? A gentle answer is what's going to get us somewhere. There's this, uh, there's this man named Dale Carnegie, uh, and he, he wrote a book back in the 1930s called How to Win Friends and Influence People. It's actually still one of the best-selling books of all time. Especially, I, I used to work a sales job, and I read this book, and it was phenomenal. I think some of it's a little manipulative, but, but mo- it mostly it was a lot of really good stuff. There's this quote that he has about arguments in that book, and I just want to read it for you guys real quick. It says, you can't win an argument. You can't. Because if you lose it, you lose it. And if you win it, you lose it. Why? Why? Well, suppose you triumph over the other man and shoot his argument full of holes and prove that he is non-compos mentis, which means out of his mind. I had to look that up. Then what? You will feel fine, but what about him? You have made him feel inferior. You have hurt his pride. He will resent your triumph. And a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. So the question is, what's our goal? Do we do we say something when we feel like we need to say something? Do we say something out of pride? Do we say something because oh, I'm right and I know I'm right and I want to prove that I'm right. And I want to just shoot their argument full of holes. I want to completely destroy this person and then make them see how stupid they are. No, no. Is that our goal? Or is our goal to wage peace? Should we be stepping into these situations where God calls us to say something? God urges us to speak up should we jump into these situations with the gospel in mind should we attempt to win this person over and win over the situation for the sake of the gospel you hear me and if we want to do that if we truly want to do that and we check our motives and this is our goal i have a feeling that what we say is going to be a lot more calculated and a lot more gentle and have a lot more love in it amen so here's our rule of thumb for slow to speak. Before you say anything, pray about it. Before you say anything, pray about it. I know this is super simple, but listen. We, are, we live in a culture that just likes to spout off, right? People just say stuff and they don't think about what they're saying ever. And Christians should be different, right? We should be the ones that say things that are guided by the Holy Spirit. We should be the ones that let Jesus inform the way that we interact with people. When there are times to speak, which are rare, but when there are times to speak, we need to do it in love. So if we pray about it first, and we let the Spirit kind of realign our hearts, realign our thoughts, our desires, we'll go into these conversations a little bit more calculated and a little bit more intentional, amen? Does that make sense? So with that being said, we're going to jump to Actually, no, real quick. I have a quick uh, thing about social media because, like I said, it's not real life. We're in parentheses here. But, but social media is important, right? And this is where a lot of this happens, right? We're not very slow to speak on social media. Nobody is, right? So here's the deal. I have a little, a, a little bonus rule of thumb here for it. If I haven't prayed, I can't post. Easy, right? Can you all say it with me? I know it's like children's church. Can we say it? If I haven't prayed, I can't post. All right? It's simple. But literally, write it on your dashboard if you need to, right? Put it on your phone, home screen, right? Before I log on to Facebook, if I haven't prayed, I can Okay, yes, thank you, right? This is so important. Christians should be different, especially with the way we carry ourselves online. Amen? This is important, okay? Now let's jump to number three. Number three is slow to get angry. Listen, people are like ticking time bombs lately, aren't they? Let's just be real. I mean outrage is like the norm (laughs) outrage is the norm lately right and it's not just in america like we see news from other countries and everyone's just angry all the time like every tiny little thing sets people off and then they go on this rant and they and, and we have so much anger like there's so much anger pent up inside of everyone you guys feel that We've been talking about that a lot this series, but it's such a reality. Like 2019, 2018, 20, I don't know what happened, but something happened to where we are all just like, we're just ticking time bombs of anger, right? Somebody says one thing to you in the grocery store and it's just like, right? Flip your card over, right? In the middle of the aisle. It's just, it's the reality that we live in now, right? And the sad part is is that Christians are not very different. They're not. I can tell you that because I'm, I have moments where I'm not very different. And I see Christian brothers and sisters that, that react in anger all the time, just, just like a normal person would. And what's happening is instead of us dealing with this anger that's deep down inside of us, instead of just, instead of dealing with it and confronting it and addressing it and letting the Holy Spirit speak to it, what we instead do is we just separate ourselves from anything or anyone that can make us angry. You guys feel that? Instead of dealing with it, we just remove ourselves from any kind of situation that might possibly tick us off, right? And that's a problem. It's called polarization, something that's happening constantly in our news media, on social media, on our algorithms, with our friends groups, the people that we choose to spend weekends with. Everything is becoming more and more polarized. You're either here or you're there right and then we see jesus and jesus hung out with the religious people, the not religious people, the quasi holy people, the not so holy people, the rich people, the poor people. Jesus hung out with everyone, right? And we only hang out with people that are just like us just so that we don't get mad. Right? It's it's not the way to be. It's not the way to wage peace. What we're doing with this polarization is we're just peacekeeping. We're not peacemaking. You guys remember from last week we talked about peacekeeping versus peacemaking. We're just peacekeeping if we separate ourselves from anyone who might make us angry. Peacemaking is intentionally stepping in. It's leaning into these situations and leaning into these relationships and intentionally doing so in effort to wage peace. In effort that we might make peace, we intentionally engage these situations. Proverbs 16:7 says, "When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him." This is what we're called to. When our ways please the Lord, we make our enemies to be at peace with us. We should be people of peace, not people of anger. Amen. The only way that we can do this, guys, the only way we can do this is if we abide with Jesus. If we are truly with Jesus, Every day, in prayer and in silence and in meditation on scripture and in worship, we have to be with Jesus. Because see, when we're with Jesus, we start to look more and more like Jesus and less and less like the world, right? We can walk out of these times and we can experience the love and the grace of Jesus and we can share that love and grace with the world around us. If we aren't letting that set the tone, we're letting culture shape us. We're not letting Jesus shape us. You guys hear what I'm saying? So a big key to this fighting, to being slow to get angry, right, is is to just be with Jesus. Because see, waging peace, in small ways, it's about what we do. Yeah, turn the other cheek, go the extra mile. But it's more about who we are. We want to be the kind of people that this is what we do. This is who we are. We turn the other cheek. We go the extra mile. Right, Because this is who we are. And the only way that we can accomplish that, we can't just try harder. It doesn't work. I can tell you from experience, it doesn't work. We can't just try harder. We have to, and I mean we have to, spend some time with Jesus and let him shape us. You guys with me? In a reactionary world, we should be living differently. We're not the people that hit when we get hit. We don't hit back. We're not the people that call names when we get called a name. We're not those kind of people. We need to change who we are. And the only way that that can happen is through the power of the Holy Spirit. We have to let Jesus set the tone. In Romans, Paul writes about this. And he uh, he says this. We'll throw it up on the screen. He says, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you... Live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written. It is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. It's really good, isn't it? Man, Paul's such a poet. I love it. But listen, what he's telling us is obviously don't repay evil for evil, right? Turn the other cheek. This is how we should be. This is who Christians are, right? But do you notice what he's telling us to do? He says if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. He's saying don't run away from the situation. We're not avoiding our enemies. We are engaging them. Do you see that? If we polarize and we avoid anybody who might be different than us, we cannot wage peace. It's impossible. Instead, Paul instructs us, he says, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. He's saying, engage them. Like, intentionally step in. This is your job, is to step into these situations and engage. Our job is to come close. Now, there's this, there's this strange verse, verse tw- in the second half of verse 20, where he mentions burning coals. And it's kind of strange, because it's kind of like, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. Empty your charcoal grill on his head, right? Like, it just seems a little bit counterintuitive, right? It seems a little different, and I think what Paul is doing here is he's he's, he's addressing something very important. I think we need to touch on real quick, okay? Now, in the New Living Translation, it actually translate this translates this a little bit differently, and I think a little bit closer to the original intent. Um, it actually says burning coals of shame. So it's, he's not talking about assaulting someone. <laughs> It's completely opposite Jesus' message, right? Instead, what he's saying is that sometimes when we show love instead of hate, when we return hate with love, when we overcome evil with good, right, what will happen is that person will see what a jerk they've been, and sometimes it makes them feel something. Like sometimes they're like, ooh, I don't like that. I don't like being that kind of person, right? And they feel a little bit of shame. Now, now, listen— This is not our goal, right? I'm not like, I'm going to love you so much that you feel so ashamed of yourself. No, that's not our goal, right? But Paul's addressing a reality that there are evil people in the world. There are. There are very evil people in the world. And there are people, and some of us know them, that will just continue to exploit you at every chance they're given, right? You can love them and love them and love them, and they will take all that love and mercy and throw it right in the trash and continue to be a a horrible person, right? That's just the reality. There are some people that are like that. And what Paul is telling us is that, listen, God gives us free will, and he gives us choice, and God gives us what we want, whether it's good for us or not. So if there are evil people that see love and grace and they don't want to return it, and they don't feel any shame and they continue to be horrible to you and they continue to reject the love and mercy of God that they see through you, they will receive all of the hatred and chaos and and, and, and evil that they want. That's how God is. He's going to give them what they want. But listen, that's God's job. It's not ours. And that's exactly what Paul tells us. He says God will take care of it. So our job is to engage. And listen, we don't engage because we want them to be judged eventually. (laughs) We engage because we love them. We engage because we want to see them change. We want to see them see the love and mercy of God and change. Let, Let the Holy Spirit do some work in them like we can't possibly do, right? Jesus is, is instructing us, and Paul is backing it up by saying, listen, love your enemy. Just maybe they'll see something that makes them want to be different. Maybe they'll see the love and grace of God. Amen? Listen, if we, if we kill people with kindness, you know, you hear that? Kill people with kind, kill them with kindness. We're still trying to kill them, right? You ever thought about that? Like, I've, I've been tempted, I was tempted when I was putting the sermon together to use that phrase, and I was like, the goal is still death. Like, kill them with kindness. We're still, we're still attempting murder, right? Like, that's not the point. We're not trying to kill them with kindness. We're trying to let them see Jesus for who he really is. To see love and grace. Irresistible grace, right? And it's our job to wage peace so that they can see it. He ends this passage by saying, do not be overcome by evil, but instead, overcome evil with good. He doesn't end with judgment. Instead, he says, overcome evil with good. Martin Luther King Jr. famously said, hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. And this is what Jesus calls us to. Jesus knows hatred only breeds more hatred, right? Violence only breeds more Violence, and there's no two ways about it. This is what it is. Jesus says, live by the sword and die by the sword, right? He tells us, hatred only breeds more hatred. The only way that we can defuse evil is with good. You cannot repay evil for evil. Then there's just more evil, right? The only way we can defuse the situation is with good, is with love and with, with waging peace, amen? So I, I went on this prison trip, <clears throat> Uh, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, we we went in and we we played basketball um, at this at a few prisons around South Carolina, and it's just a cool way to get in. Like it's just a cool way to let them let you in to these prisons. And and we went into this prison in, in Turberville, which I don't I, I drove there and I still don't know where it is. It's that out in the middle of nowhere. But um, we were playing basketball with these dudes, and and after. The game. we always, like, share the gospel, and then we have books and stuff to pass out. And it's a a really good time. It's a lot of fun, and we get to minister to these guys. And so we were there, and there was this group of, like, three guys that were obviously not having any of it, right? And they just, they weren't listening. And usually when we pass out the book, they're like, yes, I'll take it. Like, whatever it is, I don't, it's from the outside, I want it, right? And that's just how a lot of the prisoners are. And these guys didn't want anything. And, like, it was, they were kind of standing there like they were a little bit, like, angry or something. They just didn't want anything to do with, with what we had going on. And um, I found out through the grapevine that they were Muslim. And so these three men that were Muslim, there in the gym. And they were observing what was happening, but they didn't want to partake because, you know, they're of a different faith than us and, and all that stuff. So um, as we were walking through passing stuff out, uh, there was a point in the game where I was subbed out and I wasn't playing. And I, I just walked over to them. And I just said, "Hey, you sure you don't want a book?" And they're like, "No, no, no, we're Muslim. We don't." And I was like, "Okay, that's fine. That's cool." And then I just kind of like stood there, <laughs> like awkwardly, and and just started making conversation. And and this one guy, the other two guys left, but this one guy goes, "You know, you're really you're really brave coming in here." i was like, "Oh no, what's going to happen, right?" Um, <laughs> no, I'm telling you, the prisoners aren't scary; they're awesome. Um, he goes, "You're really brave coming in here." I said, "Why?" He said, Well a lot of people are like, Oh, they're prisoners, you know. They're like something bad's gonna happen or they're 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 bad people and blah 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 and and we got talking and stuff and I, I just got to tell him like I know you're no different than me. Like you made a couple bad decisions and you know, you got caught and like, this is you're serving time and I get it, but but like I know that you're no different than me because, you know, even just the gospel that we just taught actually says that that, you know, no sin is greater than any other and like all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So like I know that you and I are actually the same, and the cool thing is, is that like Jesus. I know you don't believe in Jesus. That's fine, but but Jesus loves you. Um, I know you don't believe in him, but He does. And and you know, I, if you believe in Him, like He actually can. He can forgive you. He really can. And I don't know what you've done, and I don't want to know, but like I, I know that He can forgive you. Um, but either way, whatever you decide, like we just wanted to come in here and be your friend. And you wouldn't believe, like the guy didn't respond to any of the gospel stuff, that's fine. But he's like, so what high school did you guys play for? You know, just like starts talking, right? He just wanted to, to get to know me as a friend at this point, right? And so like he seemed super angry and disengaged, and then, and then all of a sudden, just me coming close, he opened up, right? And this isn't about me, this is just like something that I experienced. And I walked away from this going like, all I had to do was come close, that's all I had to do, right? Like, he was obviously, like, viewed me as an enemy, but all I had to do was just kind of step in. Like, all I had to do was just go stand by him. That's all I had to do, just go stand by him. Hello, how's your day, <laughs> right? Like, that's it. And God took it and used it. And I don't know what God's going to do with that, plant, that seed that was planted, but that's not my job. That's not my business. All I know is that I did what God called me to do in the moment, and I just came close, Right? And this is what we're called to, especially with our enemies. So rule of thumb number three, instead of condemning, come close. Instead of condemning, come close. So what this means to us today is it means it's it might be time to call that family member that you don't talk to anymore. What this means for us today is, is that person that you can't stand or that neighbor that's super loud all the time and just, you, you guys don't get don't get along, right? Whatever it is, we all have those people. It's time to come close. It's time to, to, when your enemy is hungry, feed them, right? When your enemy is thirsty, give them something to drink. It's time to come close and see what God will do with it. So Abraham Lincoln, when he was, uh, right after the Civil War, after the Union had won, uh, he told his generals of his plans. And his plan was that, he wanted to be lenient with the South. That if any of the generals from the South or, uh, or, or the people or the government, like if they wanted to just come back and make peace, that he would allow it and he would be lenient with them, that he wouldn't put them in jail and all this stuff. He'd be lenient with them. And one of his generals asked him, Sir, why would you do that? Don't you want to defeat your enemies? Right? That's a normal question. That's, that's a good question, right? The general says, wouldn't you want to defeat your enemies? And Abraham Lincoln says this. I found this this week and it's amazing. He said, Do I not defeat my enemies when I make them my friends? Wow. Do I not defeat my enemies when I make them my friends? They can't be enemies anymore because they're friends now, right? And that's what God calls us to. Listen, guys, this is what God did. This is what God did. He came close. We have this $50 word, incarnation, right? Which means that God became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Jesus came close. Instead of avoiding, he engaged. He came close. We were enemies of God. And he came close. Look at this, John 15. He's talking to his disciples and he says, this is my commandment that you love one another, as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. He calls us friends. We were enemies of God, and he called us friends. So instead of condemning, let's come close, right? That's what we should do. That's what waging peace looks like. And so maybe today you're here, and and you have never heard it this way. Maybe today you're here and you're like, man, I, I didn't know God called me his friend. I want to be friends with God. I don't want to be enemies with God anymore. We would love to talk to you about that. We would love to pray with you today. I'll be in the back during this next song. The band's going to come up. We're going to give us some time to respond. But I would love to talk to you about that today because, listen, God did not condemn. Instead, he came close, and he invites us to be his friends, and all it takes from us is a simple yes. But for those of us today that know this truth, we've experienced the goodness of God. We've experienced his mercy. We know that God calls us friends. We are a friend of God, right? The action point here today is that we should actually do this, right? Like, these are tangible things that we can actually do. Maybe over the last three weeks, you've been like, man, this is really good. I just don't know how to actually do it, right? Let's be quick to listen. Let's be slow to speak. Let's be slow to get angry. Let's let Jesus take these situations that we find ourselves in and create the kingdom, right? Let's let, let's let his kingdom come right here and right now on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Will you all pray with me? Jesus, we thank you for today. God, we thank you for your mercy. God, you are so good to us. And you have defeated your enemies by making them your friends. And so today we, we invite you to use us as your vessels that you would use us to take our enemies and and to make them our friends, God, that that you would use us to be instruments of your peace, that that people would see you, that they would see your love and your forgiveness and your acceptance through the way that we live, the way that we wage peace, Jesus. We love you, Father. We praise you. In your holy name, everyone said, amen. If y'all stand and sing with us.